Guys, we'll, we'll get started there this morning. Uh, as we've, uh, I want to just kind of continue thinking about the new year. Uh, last uh, week we uh, looked at the issue of uh, living with a hope in view and uh, really thinking about our future in 2021 here. And now as we continue kind of this month talking about 2021, I don't know about you, but this past week it doesn't seem to be getting any better, does it? <laughs> when you look at what happened around and on the TV, uh, yay or nay, for it or against it, whatever it is, it sure enough showed that uh, sinful man is really at work, isn't he? And uh, as you again look around what is happening and what's going on, and uh, it's, it's really, I'll be honest with you, as you look at it, it's evident what the problem of man has is sin. And it's been there all the time since, since the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And when you think about that and you think and you consider and you look at it, by the way, this morning we're going to look at a place for protection. That's kind of, kind of the title this morning. And uh, as we, you think about in, in, in the institutions of creation that God institute, there's four of them. He institutes the issue of volition, free will, we call it, the ability to make a, make a choice, make a decision. Then he instituted marriage. Okay, now when Adam saw Eve, he said, man, where have you been all my life? <laughs> You're the only woman for me. And they did what? They decided to get married. Now, God helped them out on that. Don't, I'm just, you th think about it. But the issue of marriage then when, when man and wife come, man and woman come together they, in marriage, then the natural reaction and response to all that is a family. So then you have the institution of family instituted. So you have three components, volition, family, um, volition, marriage, and family. And by the way, at each one of these, Satan attacks. Okay, he attacks volition, he attacks the marriage. He went after Eve instead of Adam. Adam's the head of the family, the head of the marriage, the head. He went after uh, Eve. Peter calls the, the wife the weaker vessel, not weak in that she can't do anything, but just weaker in, in stature in the headship order. And where, so where did Satan go? He went there. <laughs> then they had a family, Cain and Abel. Then he attacked Cain and Abel. And Cain kills Abel, and now you got trouble. So... At each one of these turns, the Lord has an answer, okay? Then he instituted the issue of nationalism, government, human government. And really, nationalism and government, we've studied in the past with the politics and everything. The design and the power design there is to protect volition, family, and marriage. Marriage and family. Its design is to protect that. And as long as the nation protects free will, family, marriage, then everything's going to flow. But what have we seen in our country? We're seeing the, de the deterioration of marriage, family, and volition. So now what do you see? You see the deterioration of the nation as a whole. So don't be surprised when you see what happened happens. Okay? But at each turn, nationalism... Satan attacked it with internationalism, Tower of Babel, one world government, one world voice, one world language, one world economic system. So what did God do? He reached down and 
confounded the language, set up the nations of the, of the earth. But then he reached over to Abraham and he set up a nation that belonged to him. You see, God has had a reaction, an answer to every situation. So in, the, in time past, it's the nation of Israel, the little flock, the believing remnant. But today, it's something else. Today, in the church, the body of Christ is that answer. But today... When we begin to look at that answer, we begin to really delve into and look at that place of protection is in a local assembly. This past year has been brutal with the COVID stuff and the mandates and everything on local assemblies. Okay? I'm not going to give you a bunch of statistics or anything. It's just been brutal financially, membership-wise, people not coming back. They say that over half anywhere up to 65% of millennials that were coming to church are no longer coming to church, and they are no longer viewing the online streaming either. They're gone. And the, the, the uh, prediction for that group, that generation, is very dim because they got out of a routine. It changed, and they're gone. For you and I, for us here, we'll say some things about our scenario, our situation at the end of the month. But the local assembly is something that God established through the Apostle Paul very early, right off the bat, on, on what needs to be done. You got 1 Thessalonians, right? All right, flip over to Acts 14. Let's just get started. All right? The subtle move, I was, I was warned not to, I was asked to be done by noon, and then I was told not to do so much swerving. So, so far, I'm one for two, okay? I'm swerving already. Look at Acts 14, all right? Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas are out. They're going. Acts 13, they just got sent out from Antioch there. They're out on, on Paul's first apostolic mission. He's not a missionary, okay? So all of the, you know, all the Schofield notes and all the guys that say this is missionary trips, he's not a missionary. He's an apostle, and he's out, and he's going, and, and he's, they've gone through uh, Iconium in chapter 14, verse 1 there. Verse 6, they're in Lystra and Derby. They, 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 uh, they're, they're down in verse 20. They're going to go back into Derby, verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, Derby, and had taught many there, and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Notice now, confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every, what? Church. Right off the bat, what's Paul's mode of operandi in, in doing the work of the ministry? See, see souls saved... See them come to the knowledge of the truth, edifying, exhorting them, confirming them, and then establishing a local assembly with the elders, with, with leadership, with, with so forth. Now, come to first, that's day, this is day one. He's just out, first apostolic journey, and he's establishing the churches of the Gentiles, Romans and Galatians calls it. Now, go back to 1 Thessalonians 1. So when you begin to think about the answer to the problems of our day, the answer out there, I'll be honest with you, isn't the protesting. It isn't the marching. You see what happened. Okay, and again, agree, disagree, that's not the point. The, the answer is right here in the local assembly. That's the answer. Because that's God's recipe. That's God's prescription to answer it. Now watch verse 6. 1 Thessalonians 1 
and verse 6. Oh, well, yeah, verse 6. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. When you begin to think about the local assembly, there's some things that the local assembly is designed to do. The first one is right here in verse 8. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord. And, and, and that's that issue of preaching and standing and, and teaching the word. Preach the truth of the word of God rightly divided. Notice in verse 6, he says to them, And ye became followers of who? Of us. Well, who's the us? Go to verse 1. Paul and Silvanius and Timotheus under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who's the us? Paul and Silvanius and Timotheus, what did, notice they did not become a part of Israel. Notice they did not become a part of the little flock. What does it say? They became a part of who? Of us. Well, who's Paul? Paul's the apostle to the Gentiles, is he not? He's the head, the first one, firstborn of many into the body of Christ. He, he's the, so the us becomes Paul, Silvanus, but the body of Christ. You see, the Thessalonians did not have an identity crisis. Unfortunately, that's going on nowadays. He, he says, hey, you came in and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word. What did they get from Paul? Hey, how you doing? The counseling will be at 2.30 this afternoon. Come and visit. Oh, he gave them the what? He gave them the word. Come over to 2 Thessalonians 2. Just notice this. He, he shows up and he's preaching the word to them. He's preaching the truth to them. But it's the truth of the word of God rightly divided. How did these folks know that they were not a part of Israel? What was Paul telling them? You guys at Thessalonica are a bunch of Gentiles. You, I'm your apostle. I'm talking to you. I'm the guy. 2 Thessalonians 2, look down at verse 14. Whereunto he called you by our gospel. How did they get saved? He says, you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word. What did he give them? Go back to 1 Thessalonians 1. He gave them our gospel. Paul's my gospel. He rolls in and says, listen, guys, Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again the third day. And you know what you have to do? Nothing but believe him. Just trust that. Just accept that. Don't walk the aisle. Don't get water baptized. That's Israel program. Don't do this. Don't do that. You don't have to do anything. Just trust Christ. The cross work of Calvary. And you know what they said? Okay. You know how you know that? Look down in verse number 9. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols. What did they say? No, we won't want it. We want stuff to do. No, they said, woo, thank goodness, a free gift. And they said, thank you. And they said, yeah, you're our guy. We'll follow you. Now, they don't have an epistle written to them. Today, today you and I stand as members of the body of Christ at a point that, that no one else ever stood in that we have a completed word of God. 
In Paul's day, he was writing it, he was getting it done, and after Paul finishes 2 Timothy and the canon of Scripture is done, then they have a what? A completed word. Up until this point, they don't have that. He hasn't even written Thessalonians. He doesn't even write Thessalonians till probably late seven, Acts 17, maybe. And he says, hey, you know what they said? We heard the word, chapter 2, verse 13. Look at it, 2.13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, what was he preaching to them? When they heard the word, they don't have a book in front of them, but when they heard it, what did it do to their inner man? It resonated that this is the word of God. Which ye heard of us, when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. He's preaching the word of God. He's preaching my gospel. And then he's preaching the word rightly divided. By the way, how do you know that? They, they became followers of Paul. But look in chapter 1 there, verse 10. We looked at this verse last week. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the what? That takes an understanding of the word rightly divided to know that you've been delivered, past tense, from the wrath to come. From that 70th week. Come over to chapter 5. Chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. And verse 1. Chapter 5 and verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. Why, Paul? For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord also cometh as a thief in the night. Paul has already taught them about the wrath to come. He says, you guys don't have to struggle with this. Verse 9, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what God's program for you is? Not to go through wrath, it's to be raptured out and to be taken care of. Chapter 4 gave you those details. Meet the Lord, boom, all done deal. So as we stand for the truth... And as we, in a local assembly, that's what you're looking for, by the way. I get people, I get emails all the time. What do you, you know, there's no local church here, and I'm going over here to this. What do you look for? How about someone who's doing what? Sounding out the truth. Well, it's far and few between. And let you, I used to didn't have really an answer. Now I said, well, just log in on Sunday mornings and join us, because you can through the Internet now. But see, the thing is, is the answer is the local assembly. But it's a local assembly that's standing for the truth of the word of God rightly divided. Someone, an assembly that's going to sit here and say, Paul is our apostle. And here's the doctrine. Now when you do that, you know what begins to happen? You get attacked. Verse 6, 1 Thessalonians 1. Go back there to verse 6. What happened to these guys? As you became followers of us and of the word, having received the word in much what? Affliction. They're under attack. Chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, verse 14. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. What's going on there? Well, you go back and read the account in Acts 17, and they're, they're, they're under not just a little attack. They're under Paul over there in the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1. He says, we feared nigh unto death. 
Because we, this was not a just a, hey, you guys need to be quiet, censorship. This is not just turned you off the internet. <laughs> shut the internet. This is, you better shut up or you're going to the electric chair. Heavy stuff here. Look at chapter 3. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. And sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow labor in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. Look at the, the afflictions were so severe that Paul was worried it would move them away. And he says down there in verse 7, Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you all in our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast. And Paul says, man, Timothy came back with a great report. You guys are holding fast. You're standing there. Tremendous. Tremendous. So the first thing in the place of protection is going to be what? The truth. The truth from the word of God rightly divided. There's where the protection really begins to lie. But then there's this attack thing. Come over, back over with me to Acts 20. Because the local assembly is to be the place of protection when the attack resonates and when it does come. Acts chapter 20. In Acts 20, you have Paul dealing with the Ephesian elders, verse 17. And from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. So the church there at Ephesus is going to come over now, and they're going to visit with Paul, and he's going to lay out some things down here for them. Verse 28, he says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God. Think about that, feed. How do we feed you? How do I feed you? How does the leadership here feed you? With the word, rightly divided, right? Okay? I can give you a gift card to fries, and that'll feed you. But that isn't what he's talking about. Who are we feeding? The church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. There we are. For I know this. Now watch Paul very carefully here. For I know this, that after my departing, he's going to leave Ephesus shall you have a wonderful life and tremendous things are going to happen for you. No, grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. What is Paul talking about there? He says, listen, guy, guys, folks, the state of the church, the body of Christ, 1 Timothy, the church is to be in rule, is to rule and to reign and to be the center point. But man, 2 Timothy, here's what church history says. And you know what? When I leave, you know what's going to happen? It's all in the latter time, some shall depart from the faith. It's going to get worse and worse. And he's telling the Ephesian elders here, the group, the leadership of that church at Ephesus, that Timothy is sent to, and you know what he says? When I leave, you got trouble coming. 
And you might as well write it down and count it as 100% accurate because it's going to come. And when it comes, it's going to come two ways, from without and from within. And the one that hurts the most is the from within. I'll just tell you that from experience. The without stuff you can deal with. But man, when it comes up from within, then what begins to happen is now there's turmoil. And now there's decisions that have to be made, not in a, in a split manner, but in a, with a broken heart. But all that can be done, only that can be done in a local assembly. But it's that place of protection. Look back over with me to 2 Thessalonians. Look at the Thessalonians here for just a minute. 2 Thessalonians 2. It's fascinating to me. Paul warns of this. And I know Galatians and Thessalonians, everybody kind of flip-flops back on which is first. But was there trouble at Galatia? <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of trouble at Galatia. There's trouble here at Thessalonica, too. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as at the day of Christ is at hand. See that trouble that's coming? Notice how it comes. Shaken in mind or be troubled. How does it come? By spirit, by word, by letter, as from us. What are these guys doing? They're, right, they're making stuff up. They say Paul said this when he never said it. Paul's doing this and he never really did it. Romans 3 is clear on that. He says, hey, we're slanderously reported that we said this and it's not true. It's uh, Romans 3, verse 8. As we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say. There's the spirit. I think about that word spirit. That's an attitude. You know, there's a good spirit here. People ask me, hey, how's the, how's the, 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 the mood of the room on, you know, and this and that? And I'm like, well, it's kind of raucous today, you know, <laughs> or this or that. Spirit, the attitude. Do you notice how when people say and do things the attitude that they say it and do it with it's like wait a minute we're not to be we're not to bite and devour one another but yet what's going to come nor by word nor by letter they take the word and they do what they monkey with it and make it say what it's going to say but drop down at verse 13 but we are bound to give thanks always to who? To God for you. Brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and the belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Boy, look at what he says. He goes, listen, guys, you're going to be under attack, but just know, man, stand fast. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. What's going to keep you? What's going to maintain standing fast in the Word? Standing fast to where you're at. Come over to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 
You see, folks, when the authority of God's word is preached and maintained, there's the protection. There's where you're going to be protected. Yeah, you can go out. You know, every one of us can get in our car today, and unfortunately, I'll get run over by a bus. Hopefully not the same bus. You can all die. Your life is but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow, James says. Linda was telling me about a gentleman at her work. He got COVID. He was in the hospital. He had pneumonia, and he got COVID. And, and, and she talked to him on Thursday. He was dead on Monday. That's fast. Gone. Now, he had other things, but still, it's fast. It's gone. You go into hospital. You can't, you can't bring anybody with you. You're alone. That's what the biggest thing I've been reading is just the loneliness of it. But what happens? It's there. It's boom. He says, hey, stand fast. Let's be there. 1 Timothy 3. The local assembly becomes a place for protection from the grievous wolves, from without and from within. From the outside as they come and put the attack on or from within. And, and by the way, the within thing there, <laughs> that is usually when you get down to it and you boil it down to the, the word call is called jealousy. And somebody gets jealous of something, of someone else. And I know what happens. Oh, no, it's not, Rick. It's pride. No, but it's jealousy. Because they usually have something I want, and the only way I can get it is to do what? Dethrone them. Steal it. Steal the election. I heard you, you know. No, how do you do that? Jealousy. Power control. Pride. And what begins to happen is, is if you're following the word rightly divided and you're following the identification truths that you learn about yourself in Romans 6, what we've been studying, guess what won't be there? All those issues. Because you'll sit there and say, look, I'm here for the work of the ministry, for the local to, to go and to flow and to go. 1 Timothy 3, Paul comes in and he talks in 1 Timothy 3 to verse 1 about the office of a bishop. Then down in verse 8, he talks about the office of the deacons. And he begins to lay out the leadership board in a local assembly. Here we call it the board, but the leadership. The elders, you'll hear that term, the elders. He called the elders of Ephesus. Elders is, an, is a big term, umbrella term, overseer. But in, underneath that is two offices, the bishops and the deacons. And their jobs are laid out, and, and what they're to be doing is laid out here. And then he gets down in verse 15, and he says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, and the pillar and the ground of the truth, and without controversy. Now you see verse 15, he's been talking to the bishops and the deacons, and their roles and what their job requires. Then he turns to the congregation, which, by the way, the, the bishops and the deacons come from the congregation. Philippians 1, verse 1. They come out, and then they take on those responsibilities, on those roles. Also, it's a desire to, to have the office. It isn't a sign. It isn't a gift. I'm not a gift. I'm sorry. Okay? I, I know some of you think otherwise, and my wife will deny it at every turn, but I'm not your gift or a gift. You know, I, I don't need to keep going. Okay, great. Boy, what a, just keeping it real in here, aren't we? That verse says, what's that? 
Yeah, I know. I, yeah, the board members. Yeah, ex-members. There you go. I like the front row now. Paul, you're on my... Yeah. yeah. Oy vey, if that's all it took, huh? Way to kill a train, a train of thought. 3 verse 1, if a man desire the office, that's the issue. There has to be a desire. Same with the deacons. But in verse 15, he's now going to talk to the congregation. I just want you to notice this verse because it's a wonderful verse. Here's how we ought to behave. Here's how we're to take what he says over there to Titus to adorn the doctrine. How are we to behave ourselves? How are we to, to, how, how are we to behave ourselves in the work of the ministry? What's the work of the ministry going to look like? Now, in our locale, it looks completely different than in someone else's area. Why? Because we're in different areas. That's why it's called local. Okay? By the way, what is our purpose? Do you remember chapter 2, verse 4? Who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? There's our purpose. See, see lost get saved, and saved come to some understanding of the word rightly divided. That's our purpose. That, isn't that so simple? That is so wonderfully simple. That's my, that's my rule. I always have. When I hear people say, oh, I found this out, I run it through the simplicity that's in Christ's test. Now, I understand it takes a little bit to get there, but that little bit ought to be simple, you know. It was told to me one time that if it's complicated, it's a lie. And I always thought, of, <clears throat> excuse me, I always kind of thought about that. And there's some truth to it, depending on what you're talking about. Brain surgery is a little complicated, so I don't think that's a lie, okay. But let, when we talk to Scripture, it shouldn't be. It should be pretty, it should be simple. Notice what he says. No, I, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Think about that house of God. Notice, it's a building that he's talking about. It's a meeting place, a house. Think about a house. It's not just the people. It's a place where God is going, which is the church of the living God. Now stick with me, okay? Don't run ahead in your mind. It's a location. When we come together in this place, into this building. Now, is this building special? It's four walls and a roof and a foundation. The house next door is what? Same thing. The building isn't special. What's special about the building? What's being done inside of it? Who's inside of it? When we come together into this building, the building becomes the house of God. You've got to think about this. People always, oh, the house movement. Everybody shouldn't be in a building. You've got to have a meet in someone's living room and sit on the floor with no shoes and socks on because they didn't have shoes and socks back then. And right, 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 right. It's crazy. But there's people that do that. They've missed the verse where Paul is debating with the guys in the one of school of Tyrannius. So he met house to house, but he also was over there publicly meeting in a school building. You see, folks, you and I are what? We're the house, aren't we? Come over to Ephesians 2. Just notice this. I got to kind of think about this. I, I try thinking about things, and it wears me out sometimes. 
on really on how to articulate it and how, you get to, how to get you to think through some of this. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners. Back up in verse 11 and 12, we were strangers and foreigners, but now we're not. But fellow citizens with the saints and of the what? Household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building fitly framed together, groweth into a holy, what? Temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Now, that's spiritually, right? But now roll that back into chapter 3, verse 15. When we come together, thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God. What did we just do? We just brought the Lord into this building, didn't we? So how do we behave? What are we to be about? What's going on? You think about a temple. He calls us the temple of the Lord. A temple is where the Lord dwelled. It's where the Lord is, is worshipped. You think about the Lord in the Old Testament temple and everything. But God says, today, what am I doing? I'm building in you. By the way, the temple in the Gospels, he gets up and leaves the temple. And he looks at Israel and says, now your house is desolate. It used to be my house. He would say, my house, my house. Now it says, your house. And you know what he's doing there? Is he's teaching the nation of Israel that spiritually, God isn't going to be in a building. It's now going to be in people. As he's now going to move in and dwell in that little flock. Because the Antichrist is going to do what with that temple building? He's going to usurp it. Make it into something it shouldn't be. You know what he does with you and I? He says, you don't need a building. I'm not talking about four walls and a roof. I'm talking about you. And when we all come together, and when we all come in together, the local assembly assembling together, we become, we come into that house of God, which is the church of the living God. Now that's critical, isn't it? Not a dead God. Not a make-believe God. But a living God. Now, in the verse, just real quick, Paul defines the house of God as being the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Notice how he says it. Thyself in the house of God, which is. See that? Which is. Here it is. He's the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Folks, we are the church of the living God. And our relationship to the truth is this issue of being the pillar and the ground. And that's what he's getting at here. That's where the protection is, isn't it? It's in his word. It's, it's there. It's us doing and being and manifesting everything that God's doing today in the age of grace and putting it on display for a community to see it and to say, hey, there's where the truth is, right over there. Or, hey, that's where the crazies are. Go get them, you know. But it's to do what? It's to be the, 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 living, the church of the living God. Paul seven times says and uses that term, living God. And it's important here. Because when he says living God, yeah, he's talking about not the dead gods. But more importantly, he's talking about God is personally active and involved in the life of the local assembly. Through the life of the believer. When he says the living God... 
Folks, who resides in you? Who do you learn who you are in Christ? You've got the Godhead living in you, and He's going to work actively in you as you come to the pages of, a word, of, of His Bible, of His Word. In the English language, it's the King James Bible. When you open that up and you study it and you read it and you intake it, you are intaking Him. You are looking at Him face to face. You are, it's just literally like He's sitting at the table with you going, read the next verse. Read the next. Keep reading. Keep reading. Did you get that? Did you see this? And, and He's teaching you, the great teacher, the Holy Spirit. And He says, listen, I'm there and my presence and activity, and personal involvement in the life of the local assembly through the life of the believer. As God begins, come over to Philippians 2, as God begins to work in the inner man of the believer through His Word. That's Philippians 2, verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. That's why the local assembly is so critical. That's why the local assembly becomes that place of protection. Go back to Acts 20 and think about it. The, the issue here, go back there to 1 Timothy 3. That's why as we start 2021, and it's been crazy and we're just 10 days in, but where do I find my protection? In the Word of God. In the Apostle Paul, revelation given to us, but also where? Here, this place. Notice he says, pillar and ground of the truth. Now, you would have thought he'd have went ground and pillar, because doesn't ground come before pillar? But that's not the issue here. The issue here is the relationship that the local church is to have to the truth, to the sound doctrine. What does a pillar do? It holds something up, doesn't it? It holds something up. That's the first thing we're to do, is we're to take the truth and hold it up. Here it is. Here's the truth. Here's the testimony. Paul looks at Timothy, and he, 2 Timothy 1 there, and he says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. He says, Timothy... Here, hold that truth up, bad boy. Get it up there. Hold the truth. The pillar, hold it up. So that that community knows that the truth is still available. We got dark days coming in, this, in, in our country, in our state, in our county, in our city. And I'll tell you what, when the going gets tough, you know what people do? They get real basic real quick. And what is more basic than having their eternal security solidified for them? To be able to look at them and say, hey, here's an answer to your problems. And it'd be their real problems. Here, you need the Savior. And hold the word up. There may be a day when we can't do the streaming. Who knows what's going to happen? There may be a day when they say, you can't do X, Y, Z, whatever. And you know what we say? Praise the Lord, hallelujah, let's keep going. What are we going to do now? And you've got to shift up. What is that? Overda overcome, adapt, overcome, whatever their little motto is, okay? All right, right? We have to do that. Why? Because what's our job? Holding up the truth. Because that's where the protection is. Listen, folks, 
if they were to storm the front doors and shoot us all, we would see in glory, wouldn't we? How can they kill a madman? That's what they looked at Paul and said, man, Felix over there, man, you are mad. You are crazy, man. Man, you think about Now, I'm not saying let's go somebody storm the castle here. <laughs> but I'm saying if you have the proper perspective. So the first relationship that we, the local assembly, has to the truth is to be committed to holding it up, promoting it, publishing it, putting out there. Then he says ground. I, I, I always look at that and go, and ground. Well, the ground around the what? The pillar. You know? You go over, and when I was driving the water truck and working in construction, we would go over and we had to change out light poles on this one job. And we would go up there, and they got this big thing, and they wrap it around, and the, and the, the crane starts yanking, yanking, and all of a sudden you hear this pop as it breaks the suction from the ground. They yanked that thing out. And, but you know what we did before that, though? We went around and we messed up the ground. Got the axes out and the pick handles, and we just busted up. Why? Because we didn't need the ground to be what? Solid. Because we're removing. But if you're maintaining the pillar and you're holding the pillar, then what are you going to make sure is good to go? The ground. The foundation. You're going to make sure the foundation is solid. It's maintained. It's properly held on to. So if you're holding up the truth, then you know what you're going to make sure of? That you're on solid ground. And on solid ground, what's the song say? I stand. See? So you know what you're not going to leave? You're not going to leave Paul. You're not going to make Paul say something he ain't saying. You're not going to come over here and, and finagle and do this. Or finagle and do You're not leaving the apostle. You're not leaving a King James Bible, by the way. Sorry, you're not. You're doing what? You're maintaining the ground, the foundation. If you're holding up the truth, you're going to do that. By the way, if you're not holding up the truth, guess what? You ain't going to care what happens to the ground. So with the two, what are we to go do? We're to proclaim the truth, promote the truth, publish the truth, and then we're to protect it. And we're to preserve it. And that's our job as a local assembly. And by the way, we do that for the church, the body as a whole, as well as for our community. I just received a letter this past week. I get a lot of emails you guys never see. I get so much attack, it's not even funny, in email form from people that I hold back from you guys. But I get stuff, I got a letter this past week from a gentleman down in downstate Illinois thanking you for maintaining the website and the YouTube and the video and the streaming. I'm, I'm going to read it uh, at, at the end of the year meeting. I probably get three of those to every one bad one every week. Because people are enjoying the doctrine, not me. I'm, I know I'm good looking, but still, it's not me. <laughs> oh, boy, is right. right. 
<laughs> okay? But because of what? Because of the truth, see? Because of the doctrine. By the way, you'll notice it's the pillar and the ground of the truth, singular. It's not plurality. It's a singular truth. It's that Ephesians 4, the one faith. It's the distinctive ministry of the Apostle Paul and the revelation. We preach Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. That's what it is, baby. It ain't anything else. So as you think about the local assembly, there's, by the way, there's one more. Come over to, to uh, for 2 Corinthians 1. There's one more function of the local assembly. In the local assembly, folks, you have a place of protection. That, that's why this is so critical. On, on Monday nights, the, 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 I call them the young people because I'm the oldest, well, not the oldest, but one of the oldest people in the room. And I try to drive home to them how important this place is, the local assembly, because it is a place of protection. It's here in the local church. The proper leadership in place. By the way, Titus 1, he says, go set in order. Order. Not chaos. Not flying by the seat of your pants, but order, structure. God is a God of order. So it's a place with the proper leadership in place, with folks then within the assembly doing their parts, their roles. The men of the assembly have a role. The ladies of the assembly have a role to play. So that then we can come together for this internal ministry that is to take place. And the internal ministry, I like to call it the one anothering ministry. Because what happens within the local assembly is that it becomes a place for the members to have their burdens lifted. 2 Corinthians 1, notice verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comfort us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. How, Paul? By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same suffering which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Notice that carefully there. The internal ministry, bearing one another's burdens, the one anotherings of Paul. You can never get any of that out in the world. It only comes here. It only is designed to function in a local assembly. And Paul says, you see how I suffered? I'm your pattern. See how I suffered? Verse 4, who, what happened? He comforted us in all our trouble. How did he comfort Paul? Well, chapter 12, he's going to say, my grace is sufficient for thee. Isn't he? How does he comfort Paul? Paul, remember who you are in me, in Christ. Paul, remember the doctrines of Romans 6, 7, and 8. Remember the doctrines of Romans 12 through 16. Remember, Paul. So what does he do to you and I? Remember. <laughs> 
there's the internal message. Now, come with me quickly, 1 Thessalonians 3, so I can be two for two this morning. 1 Thessalonians 3. You see, folks, we're to bear one another's burdens. We're to comfort one another. We're to com- By the way, bearing one another isn't, going, isn't getting them out of trouble. Okay? Sometimes you got in trouble because you just made a dumb decision and wanted to be there. Comforting is coming up and saying, hey, look, you're in a situation, and these verses kind of here helped. Look at 1 Thessalonians 3. Look at verse 7. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress. How? How was Paul comforted? By their what? By their faith. By the way, in 2 Corinthians 7 over there, Paul is, has a little m- mental breakdown, if you will, but he's pulled out of it by the coming of Titus. <laughs> Titus shows up and says, hey, man, everything's okay. Verse 12, 312. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Notice that. Abound in what? Love. Now, that's an interesting term, love. It's not the mushy, mushy, gushy, give me here, huggy, huggy stuff. It's the Philippians 1, verse 9, that your love may abound yet more in all knowledge and judgment and understanding. He says, listen, guys, I want you to make you to increase and abound in love, what? One toward another. I want you guys to increase this issue one towards another. Okay? See that? Because when you do that in a toward all men, even as we do toward you, even as you, as you do that, as you increase in knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, what then becomes a natural response to come up and give a hug? And to do what Romans 12 says, which is, we'll weep with you that weep and rejoice with you that rejoice. How do I know to weep with you if you're not here and you can tell me, hey, I'm, you know, times are a little tough right now. And what can I do? I can abound towards you in love by having an understanding of, you, I need to come up and put, put my arm around you and help you. You follow that? Because what does he say in chapter 4, verse 1? Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would, what? Abound more and more. Keep growing. Don't stop. Keep growing. Keep growing. Verse 9, but it's touching brotherly love. See how it changed to brotherly love? There's the arm around the shoulder. There's the phileo, Philadelphia. There's the come up and give them a hug. Back up in chapter 3, it wasn't there. It's a mental thing. Get it right up here because what are you going to have to do in times of trouble? You may have to come up and just comfort one another. Esteem one another. Chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 12. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. There it is. Esteem them highly and be at peace amongst yourself. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. Woo! That's a tough verse to do, by the way. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but, every, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Help each other out. Esteeming those that are over you in the Lord, you know who the leadership is. This is local assembly stuff, folks. I know the folks on the Internet, this is local assembly. 
over you in the Lord, underneath that leadership, take care of them, highly esteem them, protect them, stand with them, help them, then move down into the local and take care of each other. You see, folks, we have a place for protection, and it's in the local assembly. But it's not just in any local assembly. It's in a local assembly that's the pillar and the ground of the truth. Now, we're going to close, and I'm three minutes over past noon. So I'm one out of two today. All right? Holding to the standard. But I want to close with just finish reading 1 Thessalonians 5 here. Because there's no better exhortation to you and I as we go now this into the weeks and into this year, into the years to come. Each one of these verses is a reach of Paul into the doctrinal recesses of your inner man to remind you of specific truths that you need to have down. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus <coughs> concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearances of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. What a great exhortation for you and I as we go to have these recesses of doctrine being right there, pregnated on our thinking, right there, as we sit in the place of protection our own little Garden of Eden, if you will. Here it is. Our dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for everything that we have in your Son, for all the blessings, for all, the, for, all, for all of the sufficiencies, for all of the capacities to be able to do. In your name we pray, amen. All right, thank you, folks.